Welcome to CPF Firewire, a podcast from California professional firefighters where we discuss a wide range of issues affecting firefighters, our unions, our families, and the communities we serve. Hello and welcome to the CPF Firewire. I'm Brian Rice. I'm the president of the California Professional Firefighters, and we represent more than 35,000 frontline firefighters in over 175 affiliated locals. And among those affiliates are more than a dozen locals representing federal and industrial members. These civilian firefighters protect some of our most important and sensitive military and civilian installations, and they face the same risks and challenges as our state and local firefighters. But because their employer is the federal government, they don't get the same protections. And CPF is the only state association in this nation to provide specific representation for our federal brothers and sisters um, on the CPF executive board. In the past, CPF legislation has helped provide job security for federal firefighters displaced by military-based closures. We've also ensured that fallen firefighter health and education benefits also apply to federal firefighters here in the state of California. And this year, Our federal brothers and sisters won a fight that has been over a decade in the making, and they were able to achieve a federal firefighter cancer presumption. And joining me to talk about that today and this really important issue is CPF 5th District Vice President Charlie Martinez. Charlie represents not only the interest of federal firefighters, but also our industrial firefighters at a number of Um, different facilities across um, California. And he also represents at the international level also. So Charlie's got a very full plate. He recently retired as a fire captain with the Vandenberg Air Force Fire Department. And he served more than a decade on the executive board of the Vandenberg Professional Firefighters Local F-116, including six years as their president. And I'm just really honored um, and delighted today to, uh, I'm I'm really excited about why we're here. And Charlie, I just want to welcome you to the CPF Fire, Fire Wire. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you being uh, giving you me You know, before we jump into it, yeah. um, talk to me about your journey to the fire service. How did, how did it start? How did you grow up? What, what got you into the fire service? And then um, not only what got you to be a firefighter, but you have been a tremendous advocate for not just our federal brothers and sisters, you have advocated for firefighters across California and this nation. Talk to me about your journey into the fire service and union activism. Ah, thank you. It's a, it's quite a story. Uh, the, the, how I got, became a firefighter really wasn't that dramatic, believe it or not. You know, um, uh, I don't have a my family doesn't have a history of uh, you know fire uh, public safety. Um, we're mostly blue collar labor guys. Um, actually, my my brothers, my younger brothers, were police explorers for LAPD. Believe it or not. Did you grow up in Los Angeles? I grew up in Los Angeles, born and raised in San Fernando in the Valley. And uh, where at? What city? San Fernando. Oh, in San Fernando. Born in San Fernando, okay. and then raised in San, San Fernando, Silmar, and yeah, graduated from Silmar High School, and uh, actually, and San Fernando went to school both places. Uh, yeah, so I was born and raised there. Never left there till I joined the military. But my brothers were police explorers, and they so I thought maybe I wanted to be a uh, you know maybe I wanted to be LAPD. It was way back in the day before you know they before all the problems with their uh, that they had down in LA, uh, and you know I had two spinning tickets. So you know talk about these little misfortunes becoming fortunes. Uh, I joined the military, and I became a firefighter in the Air Force because I figured you know 
I do four years in the military and then come back and join, try and become a cop again. But when I was in the military and I got my first fire, um, that the bug caught me. You were hooked. I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. And that's essentially how I became a firefighter. I never where, um, your military service, where were you stationed? Uh, well, <laughs> born and raised in LA, San Fernando, Southern California. My first duty assignment was Minot, North Dakota, 40 <laughs> miles off the Canadian border. So, uh, to tell say, me it was in the winter. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I, you, I'm not making this up. I graduated, came home, said goodbye to my family and I left LA 78 degrees, December 23rd. I'm not kidding you. Okay. Five days later, driving up the 15 and across the Montana, I drove up to the gates of Minot, North Dakota, 75 below windshield. In wow. five days, I went 150, what, eight degrees. Temperatures, temperature swing. It's got to be and like I a world record. I am not kidding you. Yeah, it was absolute culture shock for the... The key on that one is December, yes. 78 degrees in LA yep. to Minot, below. North Dakota... 75 below. Unbelievable. It was amazing. Oh, God. It was, I, I had no definition of cold by it till then. But the department, the guys were great. I mean, the, the, I learned a lot from those guys, and I learned how to be a firefighter. And uh, I, let, me, let me ask you something. Um, in the federal system, you can be a military firefighter, but you can also transition to be a civilian firefighter when you leave service in the military, because you have both, correct? Military and civilian firefighters. So with the Department of Defense, which is different from most municipal departments, the Department of Defense has their own set of certificates, certifications. And uh, in my opinion, they're no different than the states. I mean, in fact, sometimes the states can exceed that. I mean, uh, but the, with the DOD, you have to have their certs. And most of the time, the only time you're going to get those certs is if you serve, because to become a civilian department, to be a civilian uh, applicant, you have to have these certs. Well, you can't get them on the civilian side unless you're part of the DOD process. It's Okay. One of those weird things. They're trying to, we're trying to make change on that now, but yeah. Which kind of, which kind of brings me to another um, discussion on this, because not only do you represent um, our brothers and sisters that work in federal service in the, in the fire service, but you, in, in, you, you represent our industrial locals too. The one I'm familiar with is Burbank Airport firefighters. My familiarity um, has to do with a contract dispute that we did uh, I did as a DF, DSFR with Frank Lima, but you just connected a dot for me. I was shocked. You know, it's, it's a relatively smaller department as, you know, with numbers, I don't remember, 20 to 30. But I, I was really intrigued that almost every single one of them had several years of military experience. That kind of explains um, a little bit of that transition. I, I don't, and I was going to ask you kind of, what do you see are the differences in private service versus federal service or, or other municipal service. It's a different, that's a really it's a good different question. set of working conditions, rules. Right. And for a labor person, you know, you're operating in a different area. How do you find that? It's uh, it, the industrials um, are kind of each one's own entity. Uh, federal sector, the, it's pretty straight across the board. Most municipal departments are pretty straight across the board. The industrials, because they're a lot of more contractors uh, through like, in this case, in 61's case, uh, the uh, city of Burbank, Glendale, and Pasadena. Uh, my other iLocals, uh, JPL and Moffett Field, are through NASA. So those are two different com uh, uh, contractors. So uh, they each carry their own set of rules, and mm -hmm. it's their own set of challenges. And it's not so, so across the board. So the big challenge is just understanding each individual local uh, uh, in its own individual fights. 
And that's kind of the big challenge. You know, so their certificates may be different because it's all based off of the contract that mm-hmm. they, that they, uh, are, that they're serving. What's interesting to me, whether you're a Burbank airport firefighter, you're at Moffett, you're at JPL, um, you're at a military base. Um, when your function is on base, you have mutual aid agreements that can take you somewhat off base to assist. So it's all the regular, I don't want to say regular, but similar call volume Mm -hmm. that any other fire department or firefighter has. But the one that's always struck me about, um, federal service and, and now, um, um, industrial service, you know, when you, you, the potential for an event, the, they're catastrophic events. They're not just, um, you know, a fire in a warehouse or this or that, like you and I had had discussions about, um, wanting to get down to Vandenberg to see, maybe be there when they do a rocket testing or a motor testing COVID slammed that whole door shut. We're still going to make it happen. But when you think about that a rocket testing, a booster testing, we're going to fire a booster. The potential. Talk to me about the significant exposures that our federal and our industrial brothers and sisters face. Uh, it, it's it's very vast. I mean, these events we call we talk about are uh, the low frequency, high hazard, high risk incidents. Um, they don't happen that often. When they do, oh my gosh, they're 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 enormous. And um, the- well, let's let's stop you right there, and I want to go into it. But in case you're looking for an example, the Bon Ricard right. was, and I know I pronounced it wrong, yeah. probably, yeah. a major incident yeah. that is going to have decades-long ramifications in exposure to firefighters, both um, civilian, municipal, st- um, and federal. Yeah, the fights, to uh, all those the exposures, the fight, uh, being part of the Department of Defense, you know, and with, working with the federal government, especially the military. Um, yeah, all those are true. All the exposures are there. Uh, what do we get exposed to? We don't know. Uh, we've tried to work with the Department of Defense to release that stuff. A lot of that stuff is being held because of national security, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's just a blanket clause uh, when we try to get any information on what these guys were exposed to. And these are what we fight. When we're talking about the Bomb Richard fire, we talk about a potential rocket ex- uh, explosion. We had one at Vandenberg last year where a rocket test actually exploded. Uh, we had a large um, uh, where, uh, aircraft hangar burned down about two or three years ago at Minot Air Force Base. You know, we've had a lot of aircraft flying in, a lot of jet crash. We lost an F-35 not too long ago. I think at Hill Air, uh, Hill Air Force Base in Utah. And what are, these, what are they exposed to when they catch fire? Well, you know, we have a basic idea what they do. Uh, so when it comes to exposures and protections against these, uh, the, the illnesses down the road, we can maybe tie it into that. But what about, say, in the case of the Bomar Richard fire, where we're trying to find out what the heck burned? What are we guys exposed to? What were our first district guys from Chula Vista and San Diego? What were they exposed to? We're trying to fight the DOD with that. So, you know, the answer to that is this cancer presumption, uh, which we're like, well, there's this fight we could still do and do some good for the guys, understanding the, the, the risk of firefighting on federal installations uh, the black and white is the same as if you go anywhere off base. But the extra complex layer is that is the fuels, the exotic paints, even on some of these uh, aircraft, the composites that are on them that you don't see on these typical houses, you know, or or air, or auto fires on the highway. So a lot, a lot of that stuff, you you and your um, firefighters may not know the composition of paints or different chemicals or fuels. Because it's a, it's, it's a national, it's a secret. 
and it is um, um, it, it, it it's protected. It's security of our nation. Talk about that a little bit. That that it to me just saying it is is kind of daunting because we always want to honor, um, you know, protecting the United States. We have you know this is not a question. But I I haven't really taken a moment except for now to stop and think about a majority of the exposures you all get, whether it's direct exposure to the chemical, the product, whether it's liquid, gas, solid, it's the products of combustion. You know, that part of the exposure is the same as what a municipal. When it burns. But yeah. what's burning and what happens to it? And that and I wanna I, we're gonna get into the, the presumptive, but talk a little bit more in depth about the exposures, because they're critical for federal firefighters. Right. In fairness, uh, a lot of stuff we do have ideas about. We train on that. We talk about hazmats and on these certain launches. We know what kind of fuels they're using and that type of stuff. But some of these, the uh, like the ships or even some of the fighter aircraft, some of that stuff is, you know, they keep a secret because of national defense, some of the stuff that they use. Those are the things we have questions on. Well, what happens when it, you know, an aircraft goes to the ground and it's burning? We're in, we're in the middle of it, you know? Uh, that's the stuff we don't know all the answers to. Sometimes we have some secret aircraft that they may not, they're hush hush on. Uh, same thing with, uh, you know, uh, the, the, oh gosh, they have test aircraft all the time. They're always working on and that type of stuff. And we don't know anything about it. the public doesn't know about it cause it's still hush hush. But you know, um, you know, what are we exposed to with one of those things go down? There is, there's a lot of things that we don't know about. And case in point is that Beaumont Richard fire. We're still trying to find out what was all um, in that fire that our guys were exposed to. And I got pictures of them with soot, uh, AFFF, uh, PFAS foam up to their chest. I mean, it just, it's just, that is just a complex onion. Do they ever, um, does the federal side or the military, I, I wonder, you know, I want to kind of dive into um, to the presumptive in just a minute, but I kind of want to stay on the exposure discussion because it makes me, it makes me think about things that we all get national security and we never, you know, of all the things I think about that I could put myself in a bad spot. That's just one that is, it's just, it's not even touchable. I would never be in a position to, I don't do things that would, but it's critically important. And as professional firefighters, I was thinking about this and going, I, I wonder if the next push um, would be, you know, if the components of a certain fuel or um, components of, of um, an aircraft or a ship um, are toxic in and of themselves, but we certainly know that if it burns, it's toxic and it could be worse than others. I wonder if the next push is um, pushing the Department of Defense in their um, MSDSs and stuff like that to say uh, this is, you know, it's an unknown, it's not unknown, this requires a top secret or whatever clearance it is, but we do know that this is a carcinogenic to humans. I wonder if that's not something that we pursue into the future. We don't need you to name it. We need to know how dangerous it is. We, we, can, we can try that, but I mean, with the Department of Defense, it's a whole nother level. I mean, they are very secretive. Uh, with the PFAS fight alone, with the foam, uh, we found out that the Department of Defense actually knew about how PFAS was in our, our AFFF foam back in the 70s. And they determined national security that this air, this foam fighting these aircraft fire was more important than releasing this information. But what they did do is they made changes down the road, you know, buying closed curtains right. to take this stuff out. But we're like, well, we could have known this about 40, 50 years ago. 
So that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with. They do the national security thing, and it's going to be a hard push. We can push for it. But again, the Department of Defense is a big machine. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's going to be a hard fight. But yeah, we're, that's definitely on uh, DVP Johnson's uh, radar, is uh, trying to get the Department of Defense to become more upfront with some of these, these, uh, these substances. You know, this year, finally, and I'm going to let you give the history, uh, um, our federal yes. firefighters finally won a firefighter camps, cancer uh, presumption yeah, yeah. at the federal level. Um, it was included in the National Defense Authorization Act. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talk to me about this journey. And, and I want you to personalize it because oh, you're a line firefighter for 25, 30 yes. years. God, and you're like me. I know you know guys yeah. that got cancer, that yeah. some recovered, a lot didn't. And, and some were forced to retire and many are dead. Our federal brothers and sisters were not acknowledged nor treated correctly. Yeah. until we got this. And, and, and I'll just say it, neither party did our federal brothers and sisters the service that they earned and, and deserved. Because this battle didn't start two years ago. It's been going on for 20 years, and it's bullshit yeah. the way that our brothers and sisters have been treated. I can say that, and I'm going to say it, and I'd say it to a sitting Congress. I'd say it to the president. Mm. It, we finally achieved something. Tell me about the journey. This is, it's huge. This was a, this was a war. This is a, this is an absolute war that spanned over two decades. It's, and that's politics in DC, which is a lot different from state capitals. You know, uh, we deal with, you know, 50 senators. Uh, I'm sorry, we deal with hundred senators. We deal with uh, 435 congressional reps. Um, all of them, we have to have all these stars in alignment. We have to have uh, a president that's, you know, you know, uh, help, uh, friendly to us. So let's stop here. Talk to me about how, we, what happened during the Obama years. Most firefighters and, and definitely ones that have different political opinions would think, well, why didn't right. we do it? Talk to us about that eight year well, span and some of the blocks there. Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, it's held up in committee. The typical phrase, it died on the floor. Uh, what happened was before the, it even gets to the, before it even gets to the president, it has to get through our uh, Senate and the house. Um, and before it gets through the Senate and the House, it has to get through the committees. And that's where about 95% of our, the legislation that gets introduced into D.C. die. So these committees have to hear the bill first and then vote on it before it goes to the floor. Well, before those committees hear it, you have to have that chair give the authorization you're okay to hear it. And most of the time, it, we weren't able to, to do that. Sometimes we were able to do that, and maybe it was pulled because we, weren't gonna, we didn't have— of favorable uh, numbers. And it came down to numbers and research. A lot of people in Congress, and talking, not talking right now, but history, their, world, their, their thoughts were, well, no, nobody's getting denied cancer benefits. Nobody's getting denied. We're like, what are you talking about? Because federal firefighters, we know we don't have that cancer benefit. We know we don't have that presumption. So guys right. were not, they were getting cancer. They weren't even filling out the forms. They were just using they, their they just, private insurance. Yes. So that created the false claim that, hey, we're firefighters, federal firefighters aren't getting cancer. There's no, there's no claims. So a lot of that fight started with educating our guys. Hey, file the claim. You're going to get denied, but you got, we got a data point we can use. That on top of the fact that California was the first state 40 years ago, and it took decades to get more states on board to build our case to say, mm -hmm. we fight with these guys. So we're absolutely along with you guys on top of the science, the cancer registry, right. all that stuff 
came in alignment along with our uh, getting our guys to to file claims. And then uh, we really hit it hard last year. We had the best year politically for federal firefighters we've ever had in two or three decades. Let's, let's talk about that because yeah. we all know that politics are a hot button issue mm. at any coffee table in any fire right. station. Camps are divided. But I think, um, one, it was nurturing this bill for the last two decades. But like you said, and, and you got to give credit where credit's due. We had a Republican Senate. Oh, gosh. And we had a Democratic House. Mm -hmm. And you still managed to get it to a president that signed it. That's no small feat. And um, let's just kind of go through that. Yeah. Like you just said, this last year was fantastic. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, kind of talk to us a little bit about um, how those steps started to when pen went to paper. Yeah. Um, so trying to get it as a standalone bill was a big challenge because there's always, we have to prove it in science, blah, blah, blah. Um, but when we decided to try and attach it to the National Defense Authorization Act, mm -hmm. that's basically every, the way the, the Department of Defense spends all its money on its people, airplanes, blah, blah, blah. Um, trying to get that attached on this 4,400-page 4, bill. Um, How many pages again? Oh, gosh, 4,400 pages. And, yeah. and you read every page, huh? Oh, every page. <laughs> now, it was, and in that bill are different um, things that they want to attach. Well, one of them was our cancer presumptive as well as staffing. And to go through that, you had to get the thumbs up of each committee that was attached to that original bill. Our committee was part of the education, no, um, it was uh, yeah, education and labor bill committee for the House side. The minority leader. Interesting. Our, yeah, the minority leader of that committee was really against us. And who was that? It was uh, Representative Virginia Fox from North, North Carolina. And that's a name I will never forget the rest of my career. She was a staunch, uh, she was anti Bill, she did not want this happening. Uh, we have, did have, she ever? Did she ever give a reason why? She just she feels that there was no science, that there's nothing, uh, that nothing that dictates that we have cancer, higher cancer rates. And her state has cancer presumptive. Her firefighters in the state of North Carolina has a cancer presumptive in place. We were like, how? Where are you coming for this? So on the committee, we actually had two committee members in California, uh, Isa and Michelle Steele who were on that committee and voted against it. Um, we tried to talk to them, find out why, what their thoughts were, and we got no joy, no, 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 no answer. Just Did they no. meet with you and talk to you? I tried to meet with uh, Michelle Steele in D.C. I tied, I tied in with uh, uh, President Baldwich uh -huh. uh, from Orange County, right. and he, it didn't sound like we were going to get much uh, traction. traction. And we didn't. When it came to vote on the floor, mm -hmm. we didn't. She voted no. ISA voted no. Every fifth, the, uh, the rest of the 50 congressional reps in California, Republican or de Democratic, voted for us. So that speaks to the power of the CPF, which I'm forever grateful to. And the IFF. And the IFF. Mm. What'd you see on the Senate side? Uh, on the Senate side, gosh, I don't know the, the votes on the Senate side. I wasn't privy to that numbers. I just know it passed. Um, and I'm not sure if it was a close vote. I, I don't think it was. I think it was a pretty decided vote on that, uh, on the Senate side to get it passed. Um, but uh, at least in committee, mm -hmm. you know, um, by that time we had attached it to the NDAA at that point. So instead of the standalone, you know, we, we just attached it as part of that bill, which made it a different process, you know, the more challenging, but, you know, more effective. Whenever I've went to DC on lead stuff, I've always tried to make sure we bring our um, federal firefighter issues with us. How important 
in California and across the nation was that to you as our fifth district vice president, Jim Johnson, as our 15th district, 16th district vice president, that partnership with um, local government, state firefighters and federal firefighters. I'm glad you asked that. In, in my opinion, vital. We have 78, 78 locals in the, in the 16th district. That's, those are federal locals across the country. And I have 78. That's not a whole lot of ground. Mm-hmm. And we can only reach so many political uh, congressional reps. So, you know, how do we get the work done? How do we get 435 guys on board with us? Um, DC and through these state associations, uh, just this, these face to faces, um, that's how we got the work done. This, this partnership, the collaboration between municipals and the federal side was absolutely vital. And I'm not, I'll say it again, it was vital for getting our issues across the, the finish line. It, re- it really was. Me and President Vince Culver in DC last year, we were sitting in their hall waiting to talk to a congressional rep. I heard a couple of guys from Houston, Houston Fire, Municipal Department. These guys were kind of going over the, the issues book. And we're, me and Vince just kind of, Listening in, and we're the guys are talking about okay, yeah, blah blah. Okay, the federal, okay, this is the this is the federal firefighters cancer bill. We weren't they didn't know who we were, but we heard these guys talking about it, and they're taking it to their reps. That is the collab that was vital and critical to our success this year. That type of stuff, and I'll tell that till the cows come home. That was, yeah. that was great. It was great. It, DC's amazing trip is very vital for our help and the collaboration that starts at the state and ending up in DC. That's how magic happens. So. Obviously, is a win, a win for firefighters, a political victory. Over the course of your career, Charlie, just describe to me how this measures up. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, this, this is personal. It really, really was. Um, you know, we have a lot of firefighters that, that pass on. We, at Vandenberg alone, and every local has that, but we had one of our guys, Ray Guevara, who had a brain cancer. And thankfully, you know, Blessing of God, uh, he was able to survive, you know, but, you know, there's, there's, you know, other federal firefighters that didn't, weren't so lucky. Here in California alone, we had Mickey Hooks from Concord just passed last year. Um, uh, an amazing family, the Carneals from Fort Smith, uh, uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, Chris Carneal, he died from cancer just um, two years ago. Um, and there are other firefighters that just, who had skin cancer, melanoma, uh, colon cancer. It's very personal to me, you know, and when this victory, you know, we're like, living a firefighter's job, job is just a dream. We get to affect so many lives on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. This, this victory is just going to cover 10,000 people, tens of thousands of people, not just the firefighters, but their wives and their kids and maybe the next generation. It's going to affect them in a positive way. That, that change is one victory. It's going to help so many lives. And that's more than I could have ever done on, all my calls in 31 years of being a firefighter. So this was passionate. When, th- when, this, when this came across the finish line, I made um, two calls. First call was to president, uh, retired president, Ned Payne, who was F-116's president when we first started this bill 24 years wow. ago. The second call was to President Emeritus John Karate, who took the torch from Med- Ned after that uh, for 17 years. And then I took the call from him. I called him, them both first, and told him, Hey guys, we won. The second phone call was a Zoom because I had to make this phone call. It was to Dana Carneo, Chris's wife, who was a who was a bulldog, telling her story, knocking on doors, banging on them at times, and telling her story to try and create this awareness. And I had a video Zoom with her. 
Because I said, I had to tell her, I said, Dana, you're my second call to my president. I said, I wanted to tell you that we won. And uh, Excuse me, goosebumps, Charlie. I'm still tingling now. Her, her husband, Chris, passed away from cancer. Uh, and this is after OWCP denied her. She appealed denial, appealed denial. It was done. And then Chris passed away. And two months later, uh, two months later, OWCP said, okay, you're, you're covered. So now they're all covered. But I think about this thing. Think about like federal firefighters. Chris Carneal served his country. Mm-hmm. He passed away from what would have been considered occupational cancer. He passed away knowing in his mind. Tell, tell me a little bills. bit about Chris. How old was he? Married kids? He was married to Dana and had a couple of daughters. Okay. Uh, I'm not how sure old how many was he kids when he passed? Were. Oh, gosh. He was, I don't know his, I don't know his age, but he was, uh, I want to say he was like in his 40s. He's a you young know? man, mid-career. Yeah. So imagine this illness and you're thinking about all you think about is the bills that your family's going to be left with, you know, and you're, you're dealing with all of that as well as fighting this battle. And now because of this, now that won't happen. Now, now uh, when, when a brother federal side gets cancer and he's fighting this, one thing he won't have to worry about is fighting work with his comp anymore. And that is probably one of the biggest victories in my life. Just to mm. think about the scale of what this is going to do. And all the sacrifice, and there was, <laughs> there was a lot of sacrifice to do this on my part, and, and I don't regret one bit of it because this made it all worth it. And this, what, this is what union work does. This wasn't, you know, political guys just coming up with an idea and giving it to us. This wasn't just the, the guys on the street just talking about our doctors and nurses. These were union guys. These were union people. Saw the need, filled the fighting. gap. Banging doors, making requests and all that stuff. And Charlie, how many years were you personally involved in this battle? Uh, Well, gosh, uh, since I became president, that was uh, of F-116 for sure. I I told him, I said, look, guys, my number one priority is cancer presumptive. I'll tell you right now. That's my focus. It's obviously focused on the local and the guys, yes, but I'm telling you, I'm going to D.C. every year. Uh, But before that, I would start doing these Relay for Life walkathons, and I would light luminaries for federal firefighters that have passed, you know, guys I was in the military with back in the day. Um, Every firefighter, well, not every, most firefighters in the federal service wore the uniform at one time. They wore the uniform and served their country where they had cancer presumptive. And when you just decide to leave service and become a civilian firefighter, even if you're still serving your country and it's Poof, you don't have cancer presumption anymore. It was just like a night and day. It was, yeah. And, and like you said, that was, that's, that was a huge, huge you know, uh, disservice to us. So a lot of these things, I've been vetted into this for a long, long I can't give you a date, but I, all I can know is as long as I remember since I've been an active union member, this has been my goal. This is, as you would say, this is my holy grail. Yeah. This is what I wanted for the guys. And if, if nothing happens tomorrow, if I drop dead tomorrow, it'll be worth it because of what this is going to do for a lot of lives. And I'm so proud and blessed to have this happen. There were other significant gains in um, the Defense Authorization Act. What are a couple of the other ones that, were, that you were able to see um, that benefit our, federal brother, our frontline federal brother and sister firefighters? Uh, two in particular, in the, in the National Defense Authorization Act, two in particular was our staffing requirements and the PFAS in our PPE. Mm-hmm. You know, that one's going to be a tough one with the PPE because they're still trying to figure out, get geared that's safe for firefighters and doesn't have this PPE. Right. Or this PFAS. PFAS. So they're working on that. That's a big one. Uh, but it's a, that's a down the road thing. But at least the ball's rolling. Before they were like, we were just kind of, you know, wait. But now they're, we're putting DOD on notice that this is going to happen. You need to come up with this idea. The other one is staffing. Now, 
I wish it was done a little bit better because they required the staffing of four engineer, four firefighters on an engine and three on an aircraft firefighting rig. And before the DOD, some, a lot of them were uh, going with just three and then maybe one, two, and even some cases, one person on that aircraft firefighting rig. Okay. Um, so right now with this bill, it forced DOD to say, hey, you will put three, four and three now. So they, they need to do that. And, but that doesn't increase the staffing for that department to hire more. And that's what we need to kind of tie in on the back end to put these many firefighters on here. So we don't want to give the chiefs a chance opportunity to say, Hey, we're going to brown out a station just to do this thing. We don't want that. So that's one case. It's a victory, but I think we can improve on that. We're going to work on that. The, uh, the other thing that was not part of the NDA was called the fair retire act. So here's one thing. Mm. Uh, for part of our retirement package for specialty firefighters, when you're a federal fire, when you're a federal employee, you get 1% a year for your retirement. For service. Package. That's your credit. You 1%, 1% a, year. a year. So for firefighters, we get 1.7%. So it's a little bit more. Charlie, I want to put that into perspective on the retirement piece. You did a 31 year career where you have a 1.7 factor. So it's not going to be 61%. It's, it's going to be less than that. I don't have a math or a calculator here, but I'm going to, I'm going to guess it's probably going to be in that 50% arena. Oh, it's less than that. It's less it's than the, that. The 1.7% is just for the first 20 years. You have to serve at least 20 years in order to get that retirement. And then anytime after that, you're only getting 1% a year. So I get credit for my military service, which is only 1% a year. So I'm looking at about... I want to say 41% of my high three and my high three as a 31 year captain was about 69, 70,000. It's not much for the federal service. It really is a lot of difference. And that's kind of, I didn't want to get too personal there. And I appreciate that. I want people to put things in perspective. Right. And, you know, and I do, I want to go off and talk about the political piece of this here Mm -hmm. and the battle that that was. And here's what's interesting. We went through you, you, this battle took place during, um, Democratic presidencies, Republican presidencies, yeah. Democratic House control, Republican House control, same with on the Senate side. But where I'm going with this, you just passed it. it that's pretty damn bipartisan to get yeah. it through on this last Congress. It, men and women that are sitting out there listening, this didn't get through because it's the right thing to do. The federal firefighters in our IAFF 16th district. Yeah. All federal firefighters across this nation. I can only speak to the CPF 5th district. It got through because you fought for it. Nobody passed it because we love firefighters. We want to do the right thing by firefighters. And I'm saying this because it's a lot of the bullshit that I hear, you know, and I'm just going to be pointed with it. Politics is everything in this business. Mm. And you, and you may not like it, and it may not be what you want to hear at a coffee table, or it may not be what you're going to spout off or what we hear spouted off um, on apparatus room floors or this or that, but it's the way of life. Right. And you have to be in the fight, no matter who it is, Democrat, Republican, you have to be in the fight. And where I really want people to understand, this was a fight worth having. Yeah. And- you won it because you battled for it and you were relentless and you didn't give up. You didn't win it because of the badge, because of the title firefighter. You won it because your union, whether it was F-33 
116, I don't care who it was. You won it because your union pitched the fight. This is a huge example of the value of organized labor, the value of labor in the United States of America, and the value of grassroots labor. And I just, I can't say it enough. I salute you. My hat is off to you. Um, I'm in awe um, of what our 5th District uh, members and our 16th District at the IFF were able to accomplish. We didn't get it done because people love us. We got it done because of people like you, Charlie Martinez, the Kenny Harrells, the Jim Johnsons, um, the Ian Piccolos. That's how we get this stuff done. It doesn't just magically happen. Uh, this is not, by all means, just a California thing or a Charlie Martinez thing. We have, uh, in 2016, we decided to uh, form a 16th District Legislative Committee. And that is a committee of, uh, you know, to use a Dave Gelati phrase, uh, union OGs. I mean, some hardcore, old school uh, federal labor leaders, you know, starting with Jim Johnson, who formed a committee, Tank Colbrum, so the, the chair. And we got some guys that are across the country. The, uh, this effort was uh, a large part of them working with Greg Russell at the uh, government affairs office in, I, in the IFF. Um, this was across the country. This is not just me. Uh, I can't take credit. It's, it's the right thing to do is give credit where credit's due. And I'm telling you, that 16th District Legislative Committee that I am honored to be a part of, uh, that's where the real big, that's where it got bloody. That's where the phone calls came in. That's where the late nights and phone trips and uh, emails, that's where it all came from, from the legislative committee in the 16th district. So this was definitely a big win. And when people say, uh, thank you, and tie, tie, tie into what you're saying about this being a union win, I'm third generation union. I've seen what the union has done with my father. My grandfather was a, a union guy when he came from New Mexico uh, to California. He was a bricklayer. and I've seen uh, what the union has done for my grandmother when he passed away. She got a check every month, $88 a month, maybe in, not so much now, but in 77 it was. But she got it every day, every month, I'm sorry, every month of every year until she passed away in 2012. My father with labor, same thing. His, his career was saved because when they closed down the plant, he was given an opportunity to retire somewhere else. Uh, that's just a snapshot of here today. When people talk about the unions, and, and the people look at unions a little bit differently now. It's just a different generational thing. I get it. But when we get wins like this, a lot of times I think, hey, you know what? Instead of thanking me, pay your dues. You want to thank me? There you go. Pay your dues. Because this was not because of, you know, whatever issues you are, are priority to you that have nothing to do with the job or nothing to do with, with the, the goals of this union. Whatever those are, understand this wasn't because of that. This was because your union guys were fighting for you. So if you want to thank me or thank any leader, you pay your dues. You absolutely pay your dues. And that's how you thank me, because that's how this was done, is through unions, the backs of unions and labor, and labor leadership. You know? But I want yeah, I have to give a big shout out to this, my 16th District Legislative Committee brothers. Um, yeah, you guys are the reason we, we got this done. It was, it was a team win, you know? Charlie, what's next on our horizon? What, what are a couple of issues? We're coming into our ledge conference, yeah. both in California, Oof. but the international. What, are, yeah. what is an issue or two that we need to put on our, in CPF, our brothers and sisters that are going to ledge conference? What do you need to focus on for our federal brothers and sisters? When, when the legislative committee meets, uh, we'll probably meet again in maybe a month or two. We're going to talk about that. Um, I know some issues that came up. We, we got Fair Retire Act. Uh, passed last year. That was probably going to be our next issue. We got that passed. So that retirement thing, firefighters 
retirements are protected now. Even if they get injured on the job and they can't be a firefighter anymore, they can still keep their retirement calculations. You know, so that's taken care of. It was just a huge year. Um, so now we're going to get together uh, on the horizon. We're probably looking at what's called the, the Pay Equity Act. Okay. So part of our retirement, uh, part of the overtime hours that's mandatory are not counted towards our retirement calculations. It's, yeah, it's another nickel and dime that the government And we're talking does. about mandatory interest. Correct. Okay. Yes. We work 72 hours, 144 hours a paycheck, a pay period. And uh, a lot of that is, uh, 38 of that is, uh, is mandatory. You have to do it no matter what. But- it's not counted towards our retirement. So we're like, well, that, that could be $1,200 a year, you know, in retirement. That's, that could be a big number so, to a retiree. Uh, so I'm thinking that may be something on the horizon. I know, that, I know that's an issue. Uh, but right now, the, we've got such a big, a lot of wins. Of we're, we're, we're literally going to get together and think, hey, man, what's next? But with um, the change in leadership of the, the house, you know, um, we're already... As typical, when they when when we have a uh, um, one side leading the others, we're going to be playing. We're going to playing defense for a couple of years. We're looking at Charlie. Before I close out, uh, any closing comments or you know, I, I what I would say is what's something you could you could leave the listenership with um, that pushes labor forward, that pushes firefighters forward, their families forward, and their union forward. I tell, I tell my guys, you know, there's a, there's a certain buy-in and it's, you hear it from your leaders, you hear it from your presidents, but you just, you know, you go to the, you go to, you know, you hear it at the fire station. You don't even go to the meetings. I tell the guys, you know, if you want to do something for labor, for your future, for your kids and all this stuff, it could be as simple as just showing up to a meeting, just show up to a meeting, listen and vote. The next level up is to become a labor leader. Come to DC, especially in California. We'll help you out. We'll teach you how to do that. Um, as people know, I, I, I'm passionate about this. I love the I love the labor force. I love the unions. I love my federal brothers and sisters. I, I don't have one regret being a federal firefighter. Every day of that 31 years, I have no regrets. Um, but my one of my greatest passions and my greatest prize was my work as in labor, being able to do this. You can change lives. I tell the guys, you can change lives. You're one person. But you can, as a group, you know, Chief uh, Tecumseh, the Shawnee Fire Chief, uh, or Shawnee uh, Indian Chief, he, he has a quote I put on my emails all the time. I said, a twig, a single twig breaks, but a bundle of twigs is strong. And that's unions. That's labor. You may be one voice, but collectively, uh, we make a significant fist when we go to D.C. and when we're, when we're together. And you, if, if you can't be a part of it, at least... Pay those dues and support the guys going out there and doing it. Go out there and support them. Pay those dues, and I guarantee you, you know, we hold our guys accountable. I'm held accountable to my guys. Uh, I promise you, every second I do when I wear this suit or when I wear this pin, it's on behalf of my members and, and the labor force. Every second of my day. Charlie, just honored to have you here um, today. And for the time that you put in, the dedication, um, you know, not just on behalf of our federal brothers and sisters, on behalf of firefighters. And the focus is on the federal system, but I know that you touch everybody because I've watched you do the work around the state. I appreciate you. I'm honored that you're here today. Um, I'm honored that you're on our executive board and, you know, um, no better person to link with, link arms with and go, go, go into battle. So Charlie, just thank you for being here today. Um, and I can, I can say with the surety, the CPF, 
um, is here to fight to protect all firefighters in the state of California. And you exemplify that uh, in your leadership. And um, I just, I hope we have many more years coming up of battling on behalf of our brothers and sisters. And with that, I'm Brian Rice, CPF president. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the CPF Firewire and I wish everybody a healthy and happy 2023. Thank you. And we'll catch you next time. You can find CPF Firewire at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. You can also find CPF Firewire at the CPF website, www.cpf.org, and on the CPF YouTube page. We're always interested in getting your feedback, comments, and criticism. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. Drop us a line, info at cpf.org. CPF Firewire is a production of California Professional Firefighters. Our producer is Carol Wills. Our engineer is Matt McDermott. Please join us next month for another edition of CPF Firewire.